When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 298. On Now You Know. And you know, we're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help support us, bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know, and there you're going to find some amazing perks that we put together just for you. At the GigaFest event in April, Tesla started delivering Model Ys made in Giga Texas to some lucky employees. This Model Y is being called standard range all-wheel drive, and the specs that we know so far are that it has the 4680 structural battery pack with an EPA rated range of 279 miles. It starts at 59,990, can go zero to 60 in five seconds, and it has a couple new features like the magnetic center console armrest and a parcel shelf. Well, now some lucky Tesla Model Y customers, not employees, that live in the Austin area are getting emails saying that they can accelerate their Model Y delivery. Quote, you have the opportunity to experience our latest configuration and take delivery within weeks. Select Model Y all-wheel drive and experience one of the first vehicles built at Gigafactory Texas and currently available in the area. So, I mean, technically, this is a downgrade from the current Model Y long range available um, on Tesla's website starting at $62,990 with a range of 318 miles and a 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds. But the estimated delivery time for one of those vehicles is November to February. So, I mean, the question for you guys and comment down below, would you take the Giga Texas option? And we're going to see what our Patreons thought about that later in the Patreon poll. But I mean, as production ramps at Giga Texas and more and more cars are coming out, won't the wait times go down anyway? Or will the demand rate keep rising? So basically production will go up and demand will go up. So the wait times will stay the same. Well, so my question is, are they only making 4680 you know, these standard range all-wheel drive model-wise at the Gig Factory Texas, and that's all they're making right now. Mm. And so if they make more and more and more of these, I'm assuming that they're going to be expanding the region in which they're going to sell them in. And so then maybe at some point on the website, you'd be able to order a standard range all-wheel drive Model Y, which would be coming from Gigafactory Austin. And that, that I mean, it's kind of nice because in that way, because one of the things that we had been worried about on the show is, okay, I'm going to order a Model Y. Is it going to be coming from Texas? Right. Okay, well, now we know that basically Fremont is going to be making the long range. Yep. And Giga Texas is going to be making the standard range. And is Tesla going to use this data about customers to see whether this car has the specs that people really want? I mean, yes, it's a couple grand cheaper, but it has less range. So is this how they're going to determine, you know, using 
statistical math to see that like, oh, okay, this is actually a viable option that a lot of people want. And I think that this is kind of smart. Um, you know, Gigafactory Texas needs to be ramping up. And if they were just ramping up like the Model Y that we're all used to, the long range, uh, then people would like be worried about like, oh, are they going to make enough? Here, they're able to take what is essentially a new vehicle mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's going to have the structural battery pack, which means that it has the, the Gigapress casts. Mm -hmm. So it's that, you know, three-piece set mm -hmm. of the, the two casts in the front and rear and then the structural battery pack in the middle. And then you just kind of throw the body in white on top of that. I think a lot of new buyers don't really know much about the cars anymore. So I think a lot of people are just going to look at some specs. They're going to look at the range and the price. And I think that that's all you really do need to worry about. It, it's not every day that you're going to have to go out to your car and be like, OK, now, hang on. This is the one with the with the gigapress castings. Right. No, it never is going to really come up. And the other point, which I don't know enough about yet, and I need your input. So if you're one of the first to get one of these, please reach out to us. But if these are LFP batteries, then that means that you can charge to 100 percent without hurting the battery, which means you're in effect having about the same range as a longer range car that you don't charge to 100 percent. Yeah, I don't know if these are LFP or not. So yeah, as soon as anyone figures that out, please let us know. Uh, again, hello at nowyouknowchannel.com is how you can reach out to us. But hey, maybe you don't want a Model Y. Maybe you're not sure about this upstart Tesla. Well, I have some good news. Cadillac has just announced pricing for the upcoming Lyric. Oh, nice. Does it beat the Model Y? It is exactly the same price as the Model Y long range. Okay, so does it beat the Model Y on range? So the Lyric has 312 miles and the Model Y has 318 miles, but the Lyric has a 100 kilowatt hour battery and is only rear wheel drive. And of course, the Model Y has a smaller battery than that and it's all wheel drive. Now, this is because the Lyric is more around the size of like a Model X mm -hmm. instead of a Model Y, but it does only have two rows of seats. Now, what about charging for the Lyric? It only goes 190 kilowatts of fast charging compared to the Model Y's 250 kilowatts. And of course, with a 100 kilowatt hour battery, it's going to feel a lot slower than mm. the Model Y on top of that. In terms of charging speed. Exactly. Um, but the AC onboard charger is 19.2 kilowatts, which I think is very nice for, uh, especially if you can get a higher tiered level two station either at your house or somewhere out in the world. Now, when will the Lyric be coming out? So the Verst vehicles will be coming out uh, soon, this year. Um, they said summer. Uh, and how many Lyrics are they going to be selling? Uh, GM is hoping for about 25,000 Lyrics this year. Okay, so I think I'll just stick with my Model Y reservation because 25,000 cars. Oh, you're looking for a different EV, are you? But no, I, I just was talking about How the about the Genesis GV60? Uh, okay. It is 58 890. Okay. Uh, that's the base model. It'll have a range of 248 miles. Here's the kicker, 350 kilowatt charging speed. Oh, so it's basically the fancy Ionic 5. Yes, basically, if you like the Ionic 5 and you're like, if only it had more luxury interior, then this is the car for you. I think we need to be seeing a lot more production of these EVs because, yeah, I mean, these are good competitions to the Model Y. I'm really glad that Tesla set the bar so high and that a lot of these other manufacturers are trying to get them at least on some of the specs. Yeah, if you can make enough of these, I think you'd actually give the Model Y a little run for its money. Obviously, you don't have the supercharger network, mm -hmm. but if Tesla does open that network up to you guys, then maybe you do have that network. It's going to be a long road for that. So I don't think you buy these cars expecting it to happen. Right. I think that you buy these cars hoping that it might happen, but you definitely have to have your main plan and the 
the supercharger network is a bonus plan. It's not a backup plan. All right, so let's get into it. Elon tweeted out last Friday, Tesla is building a hardcore litigation department where we directly initiate and execute lawsuits. The team will report directly to me. Please send three to five bullet points describing evidence of exceptional ability to justice at tesla.com. He said, my commitment, we will never seek victory in a just case against us, even if we will probably win. We will never surrender or settle an unjust case against us, even if we will probably lose. Please include links to cases you have tried. Looking for hardcore street fighters, not white shoe lawyers like Perkins or Cooley who thrive on corruption, there will be blood. Okay, whoa, what's uh, what's going on here? I mean, Tesla has initiated plenty of lawsuits uh, against companies like Xpeng for stealing autopilot software, Rivian for poaching employees and technology, also against former employees who Tesla is accused of stealing technology and stuff like that. And Tesla has been sued by others, like when Nikola Motors sued Tesla for copying its designs for their semi-truck, which Tesla countersued and won, or when Elon was sued by some shareholders for buying SolarCity. Elon won that lawsuit as well. But I think what sparked this was, hey, you know, before we get to that story, just hit the like button. It really help us out. Yeah. All right, so let's go right to the original source here. According to a Business Insider article that came out last Thursday, written by Rich McHugh, in 2018, SpaceX paid a flight attendant $250,000 to settle a sexual misconduct claim against Elon Musk. Allegedly, according to a signed declaration of a friend of a contracted cabin crew member, during a SpaceX Gulfstream G650ER airplane flight to London in 2016, while Elon Musk was getting a massage, this flight attendant slash masseuse, quote, accused Musk of exposing his erect penis to her, rubbing her leg without consent, and offering to buy her a horse in exchange for an erotic massage. According to the declaration, the attendant confided to the friend that after taking the flight attendant job, she was encouraged to get licensed as a masseuse so that she could give Musk massages. Business Insider reached out to Musk for comment, and according to Business Insider, he responded back, quote, to ask for more time to respond and said there is a lot more to this story. He went on to say, if I were inclined to engage in sexual harassment, this is unlikely to be the first time in my entire 30-year career that it comes to light, he wrote, calling the story a politically motivated hit piece. Now, the friend told Business Insider, quote, they encouraged her to get licensed as a masseuse, but on her own time, on her own dime, the friend said. They implied that she would get to fly more often if she were to do this because she'd be able to give Elon proper massages. I thought that was kind of strange because you weren't hired to be a masseuse. You were hired to be a flight attendant. And if Elon likes massages, then he should be paying for you to go to masseuse school. But she was just so happy and eager to have the job and to be able to travel. In 2018, after becoming convinced that her refusal to accept Musk's proposal had diminished her opportunities at SpaceX, the attendant hired a California employment lawyer and sent a complaint to the company's human resources department detailing the episode. Around that time, the attorney's firm contacted the friend and asked her to prepare the declaration corroborating the claims. All right, so there was mediation that Elon attended, and an agreement was reached for a severance settlement of $250,000, which included a promise not to sue and restrictive non-disclosure and non-disparage agreements, barring the flight attendant from ever disclosing any information of any kind about Musk or his businesses. The friend came forward, according to Business Insider, saying, I absolutely felt a responsibility to come forward with it, especially now. He is the richest man in the world. Someone with that level of power causing that kind of harm and then throwing 
throwing some money at the situation, that's not accountability. There are predators all over the world. And when someone is particularly wealthy and powerful, they literally have systems that are like a machine working for them to set them up to be able to do whatever they want. Remaining silent, the friend said, would make her complicit. When you choose to remain silent, yeah, you do become a part of that system. You do become a part of that machine that allows someone like Elon Musk to continue to do the horrible things that he has done. Now, NDAs, I should mention like this, are no longer legal in California. Governor Jerry Brown signed the Stand Against Nondisclosure Act into law just months after the settlement in 2018. This is the only known sexual misconduct case against Musk. Tara Bull tweeted out, where were these wild accusations against Elon Musk before he took a stand against the establishment? Elon said, exactly. And for the record, those wild accusations are utterly untrue. Look, is this retaliatory against Musk for declaring last week on Twitter that he would be voting Republican for the first time in his life? I mean, this is what he tweeted on the 18th. In the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, but they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now, watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. Popcorn. So uh, he tweeted this out on the 18th. When did this this uh, story come out? The 19th. But I've got to believe that he already knew about it because Business Insider had probably reached out to him with the story. So he knew it was coming. So this was probably a preemptive tweet. Okay. Elon went on to say, but I have a challenge to this liar who claims their friend saw me exposed. Describe just one thing, anything at all, scars, tattoos, that isn't known by the public. She won't be able to do so because it never happened. Jonah Kreider said, it's strange how their friend is the one who came forward years after it supposedly happened while claiming they can't stay silent. It's a story based on hearsay, my friend said. No proof. Elon said, exactly. Moreover, the friend in question who gave the interview to Business Insider is a far left activist slash actress in L.A. with a major political axe to grind. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said, did you actually respond to the reporters from Business Insider? Elon said, no. It was clear that their only goal was a hit piece to interfere with the Twitter acquisition. The story was written before they even talked to me. And in true Elon style, he tweeted out, finally, we get to use Elongate as a scandal name. It's kind of perfect. He hearkened back to a previous tweet back last in year. last year where he said, if there's ever a scandal about me, please call it Elongate. Now, to me, this is all really sad. I wish that Elon would hire and listen to a good team made up of lawyers and PR experts who can guide him on how to minimize distractions, not create them. I know. I know we all love Elon because he is Elon, but if we want him to succeed in his missions, to transition the planet to sustainable energy and transportation, to succeed with Starlink and Starship and Neuralink and Boring Company, then we need a focused and rested Elon who has as much public support as possible. Those are my two cents. Let us know yours in the comments. I mean, this is quite a hit piece to me. And unfortunately, with the state of journalism today, all the media outlets pick it up and spread it like it's fact. Obviously, we don't know all the facts, so let's all try to refrain from passing judgment until we do. In the meantime, let's keep focused on the mission. Saving the planet and advancing clean tech that saves lives is going to take focus. I wouldn't be surprised if Musk will be going after some media companies for defamation, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. And I think that his call for a you know litigation team, I think that he has maybe started to realize that he needs to kind of play the game, which is to be big and scary. Because you don't see too many stories about other rich and powerful people. They're not as public. That's the one thing. Elon, I kind of have to love him and hate him for this. He's a very public person. He's he's tweeting all the time. And so, you know, there's there's rich people that are, you know, pretty rich compared to Elon. Not obviously not richer than him, but again, 
It's all on paper. It is. They are quiet. You don't know their names. Why? Because they don't want you to. They're not trying to do anything other than be rich, stay rich, and just do nothing. Do the bare minimalist little bit so that way nobody comes knocking at their door and pounding on it and saying, what? what is up with you? What have you been doing? Elon has been very public. It's been very good for Tesla, I would say. It has positives and negatives. Right. One of the negatives, though, is that you're going to end up with stuff like this. Distractions, yeah. And to me, this feels like FUD. It, it feels like we've had a little FUD break for a while. Yeah. And Everyone kind of forgot that it still exists. And I think that the reason why was that when Tesla is super high. The, the FUD don't stick. The FUD doesn't stick. And they basically, they hold off. They right. go, let's wait till the Tesla stock is, is at its lowest in a while. And then we'll bring the hammer down. So they've been raising this hammer for a while. They, uh, the media and, and the powers that be or whatever. They've been waiting patiently. Building up a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff that they can come down on. Boom. Oh, yeah. You think you think 700 bad? Boom. Yeah, it's going to go down below 600. We're going to get you. Well, that leads right into this next story. I mean, the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 are both down year to date in one of the worst starts of the year declines ever seen in the stock market. And in that context, Tesla shares have also been beaten down about 44% since the beginning of the year. Elon Gate definitely didn't help the Tesla stock price. And now another weird story. The S&P 500 Dow Jones Index has reported removing Tesla from the S&P 500 ESG Index because Tesla's ESG rating isn't high enough. Okay, wait, what, what are we talking about here? Who'd you talking about? ESG, again, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's what companies are rated on to make sure that you remember. But I mean, are they off the S&P 500? No, they're off the S&P 500 ESG index. So Tesla just published their 2021 impact report, and it was amazing how many things they were doing for people and the planet. So, okay, what does Tesla score on ESG? According to the largest rating company, MSCI, Tesla scored an A, which is an average ESG score among the 41 companies in the automotive sector. According to Margaret Dorn, the head of ESG Indices North America at S&P Dow Jones Indices, Tesla was, quote, ineligible for index inclusion due to its low S&P DJI ESG score. So while Tesla's S&P DJI ESG score has remained fairly stable year over year, it was pushed for further down the ranks relative to its global industry group peers. <laughs> wait, wait, so she, whoa, 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 whoa. That word soup that she said, she's saying that other car companies are are better than Tesla. Are creeping up there in their scores, yes. And so they bump them They're off. better at environmental. Social and governance. Look, in my opinion, if Tesla has a low ESG score, then there's something wrong with how we score companies. And I'm not alone. Aniket Shah, global head of ESG and sustainable finance strategy at Jefferies, says the ESG community should consider S&P's decision to remove Tesla from the index, quote, a true indictment of ESG ratings. Even the state of Utah agrees, saying S&P gave Russian-controlled energy producers higher ESG ratings than similar entities in the U.S. Russian energy giants Gazprom and Rosnet outscored American energy companies ExxonMobil and Chevron on S&P's ESG scale. And Kathy Wood, CIO of ARK Fund, says a clear case of whacktivism. Exxon is rated top 10 best in the world for environment, social and governance by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't make the list. ESG is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. And Eric Balkunas tweeted out, here are the top holdings of the index, which no longer includes Tesla. So check a look at this chart here. You know, all the big companies you've heard of. 
Uh, and Elon said, ESG is an outrageous scam. Shame on S&P Global. Yes, stop the outrageous false ESG assessments where Tesla gets a bad grade, but an oil company can get a good grade. Total gaming of the system. So Tesla was removed from the index. Do you know who was added? I mean, I can see it there on the list. ExxonMobil. Yeah. I think that everyone who's basically commenting on S&P here is right. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, what does S&P have to say for themselves here? Uh, they commented on removing Tesla from their index. They okay. said, first and foremost, the GICS industry group in which Tesla is assessed, which is automobiles and components, experienced an overall increase in its average S&P GGI ESG score. So while Tesla's score has remained fairly stable year over year, it was pushed further down the ranks relative to its global industry group peers. A few of the factors contributing to its 2021 score were a decline in criteria levels scores related to Tesla's lack of low carbon strategy and codes of business conduct. In addition, a media and stakeholder analysis, a process that seeks to identify a company's current and potential future exposure to risks stemming from its involvement in a controversial incident, identified two separate events centered around claims of racial discrimination and poor working conditions at Tesla's Fremont factory, as well as its handling of the NHTSA investigation after multiple deaths and injuries were linked to its autopilot vehicles. Both of these events had a negative impact on the company's S&P GGI ESG score at the criteria level and subsequently its overall score. While Tesla may be playing its part in taking fuel-powered cars off the road, it has fallen behind its peers when examined through a wider ESG lens. Oh, a wider lens. Right. Multiple deaths linked to autopilot. Okay, well, what about the lives saved? We didn't look at that. Funny how you can take um, all these other car manufacturers that produce vehicles like mm -hmm. diesel emitting vehicles that produce uh, harmful emissions that mm -hmm. literally kill people. Mm -hmm millions of people around the world right. annually, and you can go, oh, no, no, wider lens, wider I mean, lens. That doesn't fall within our wider lens. I mean, Tesla has the safest cars on the road. That didn't get Seems counted. Seems like it's more of a narrow lens. Well, let me give you the wider context. Okay, and yeah. here's the thing. When you invest in an ESG index fund, it's not because you're trying to get the best return. Mm. It's because you care about investing your money in companies that are trying to be good citizens to people and to the planet. A new report by Influence Map shows that while practically every company is falling over themselves to make green, wishy-washy public statements, most aren't walking the walk. Take a look at this chart of automakers when it comes to keeping the world under 1.5 degrees Celsius. Yeah, according to the IEA's 2050 roadmap, 57.5% of light duty vehicle sales must be zero emissions by 2030. So according to this report, 11 of 12 automakers fall short. Yeah, so that's every automaker besides Tesla fall short. So all this talk about ESG scores is just f***ing bullshit. These are the real numbers that matter. Look how far ahead Tesla is. And if it weren't for Elon and Tesla, where would we be today? So stop with the f***ing FUD. It's outrageous bullshit. These are the numbers that matter. So, I mean, you can talk about ESG scores all day long. It's I don't know farce. how they rate them. It's a it's some scam. kind of rating system that yeah. none of us understand because it's all made up. It's this <laughs> is real. OK, this shows you that Tesla is head and shoulders above other companies in what really matters, which is saving the planet. I'm sick and tired of ESG. I think it's time to nail up that coffin, ship it out to see whatever we're going to do with it, because we need a completely new standard here. It shows that when you leave the foxes in charge of the hen house, mm -hmm. you get an absolute debauchery of what should be a good system. Right. Uh, as soon as it's like, hi, everybody in the financial sector, and we're all schmoozing in each other and, you know, going out to wine parties and figuring stuff like this out. How can we help you get on the S&P 500 ESG score? Right. Exxon Mobil. How do you think that happens? I think they spent a little money.
a little bit. So as we reported last week on Elon's Tweets of the Week show, which if you haven't checked out, by the way, is a fun weekly show giving you a unique insight into the mind of Elon. Anyway, as we reported, Elon tweeted Tesla AI day number two on August 19th. So many cool updates. And he even said that there would be a sneak preview of Tesla bot at this latest thing. Adam asked, essentially recruitment drive also? And Elon said, yes, the purpose of AI Day is to convince great AI slash software slash chip talent to join Tesla. Yeah. And I mean, I was thinking maybe we should live stream the event just like we did Giga Texas. Get back our friends uh, Noah and the gang. And uh, that way we could give you some commentary as it's going on, because I think a lot of people don't fully understand what these days are. And I think they see a dancing robot and they're like, is this about dancing robots? Yeah. And they don't get how fundamentally huge this is going to be. And I don't think we're talking about you guys. Oh, our viewers? No. I mean, like the, the fact that we could reach out to even a bigger group of people. I yeah. just don't think many people in the outside of us mm. understand what AI day is. And so I just think the more people that can understand it, the better. And I think Elon agrees. That's why he's talking about like there's probably people out there who are great at their jobs in AI and software who probably don't know a whole lot about what Tesla's doing. And that's who he's trying to reach. So the latest FSD beta update has started being pushed to a Tesla beta tester near you. It's 2022.12.3.15 or better known as version 10.12.1. Great name. Uh, and it looks like this is going to be a doozy. Yeah, we haven't gotten it in our cars yet, but according to the release notes and some videos we've seen from the likes of Chris at Dirty Tesla, there's a lot of improvements in there. Yeah, this version has been trained from over 250,000 video clips from the beta fleet of about 100,000 cars. So interesting that Tesla said they removed three older neural nets from the system, which allowed them to speed up the frame rate by 1.8 frames per second. So here are the release notes, and obviously we can't get into all of them, but let's pull a few out to highlight. Yeah, this one stands out to me. Improved precision of the is parked attribute on vehicles by adding 41,000 clips to the training set. Solved 48% of failure cases captured by our telemetry of 10.11. So this is a tricky one for all drivers, right? You're driving in a parking lot or a street with on-street parking, and you have to use context clues and split-second decisions about whether a car you're approaching is parked or not. If it's parked, you can drive by. If it's not parked, that means it's moving or about to move, and that means an entirely different action. By learning from 41,000 video clips of the last version of full self-driving, this new version has solved almost half of the failure cases, and I can't wait to try this out. I like this one, upgraded decision-making framework for unprotected left turns with better modeling of objects response to ego actions by adding more features that shape the go-no-go decision. This increases robustness to noisy measurements while being more sticky to decisions within a safety margin. The framework also leverages median safe regions when necessary to maneuver across large turns and accelerating harder through maneuvers when required to safely exit the intersection. So that was a lot. Basically, you know, when you have to make a left turn mm -hmm. on a busy street mm -hmm. and, you know, there's cars coming either way, mm -hmm. it's really stressful. What this is saying is it's going to be, and we've seen this in the latest testing, the car is coming and when the car is in front of you, that's when you start going to right. merge in with, you know, to get behind that car. Also, the stickiness is really interesting. It's going to stick to its decision, mm. even if it's not the most perfect one, because at the end of the day, you, you got to go. That's a really good point. As a driver, a lot of times you're like, I started going. You can't just stop in the middle of the intersection. You just got to go with it. And, you know, sometimes you don't go. You're sticking to your decision not to go. And you're right. like, ah, oh, I could have gone yeah. there. Everyone's beeping, you know. Right. But it's okay because you 
you had a split second, you had to make the decision and the stick to of going or not going, it's better than going like, oh, 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 geez, now I'm halfway in the intersection. Right, it's go, no go. And I mean, we were really upset with earlier versions of FSD beta because it would do this weird thing where it just stopped in the middle of the intersection and yeah. that's like really dangerous. Yeah. Also, as Chris at Dirty Tesla pointed out, in 10.12.1, they have new graphics and now a door open graphic along with blinker and turn signal graphics. Mm -hmm. So it's getting really good. And I think that I'm very excited to see how it's going to go. Yeah. Just about a year ago, Tesla announced that its autopilot system would no longer use radar, but would be Tesla Vision cameras only. That did have one unpopular side effect, though, as Tesla had to drop the top speed from 90 miles an hour to 75 miles an hour. That was pretty quickly raised to 80 miles an hour, but still drivers complained because let's face it, there are many places where drivers want to go much faster than 80. Well, now Tesla has announced on their website, auto steer will be limited to a maximum speed of 85 miles an hour and a longer minimum following distance. I'm not sure what version of the software this will begin rolling out in and what the time frame is, but it sounds like it will be soon. So let us know if you've experienced the new 85 mile an hour top speed with, on autopilot with Tesla Vision. Now, is this a big deal? Will 85 miles an hour satisfy most drivers or will they still want the return of 90 miles an hour? I'm pretty happy with 85. Okay. Um, I've been pretty happy with 80. Um, there's hasn't been too many cases where I'm like, oh, 80 isn't fast enough. But you know, we do live on the East Coast and I'll be honest, uh, here on the East Coast, there's not a lot of places where you can travel on kind of empty roads, whereas in, you know, Texas and parts of, you know, the West, there's lots of empty road where you probably do want to fly. It's true. Um, and I think that it's smart to just increase the the follow distance um, because that would be an easy way. And I mean, they kind of do that anyway. It, it naturally increases the follow distance. Uh, it's not by car lengths. It's more by how many like seconds right. it is uh, behind something. I think that that's a fine trade off to me. So last week, Tesla stopped taking Cybertruck reservations from all markets outside of North America. So for anyone in the US, Canada or Mexico, you can still reserve a Cybertruck. But for everyone else, you can't. Wait, but what about everyone else in the rest of the world that ordered a Cybertruck? Are their orders gone? No, but I did hear from a lot of Australians who were sadly misled by this cartoon character, Joshua Dowling. His article erroneously reports that, quote, the Tesla Cybertruck has suddenly been withdrawn from sale locally and stupidly asks, quote, was the deposit program a ruse to raise money locally? The headline was also completely unsubstantiated in his own article because there is absolutely no evidence for anything other than not taking new reservations. OK, but that must mean that Tesla isn't planning on rolling out the Cybertruck in these markets. No. OK. At the most, it could mean that Tesla isn't going to start selling Cybertruck in those markets at first. That's been what Tesla did since the beginning. The U.S. and Canada get stuff first and then it gets rolled out everywhere else. I mean, it is an American company, and so that's generally what happens. Well, and I think with the Cybertruck, wh where is the biggest pickup truck market in the world? Let me look that up for you. A few moments later. Uh, you don't have to. It's America. Uh, it's North America. Americans uh, love it's their pickup America. Truck. America. We love our pickup trucks here, so that's why Tesla went after America for right. the pickup truck market now. Tesla usually rolls out in America first. They get everything kind of working. And, you know, first they give it to their employees, then they do some local stuff, and then they distribute to America and then Canada. And then they have to homogalize and do all that stuff to for other markets. Right. And you have to, in some markets, put the steering wheel on the other side of the truck, and you have to make sure it fits all the safety regulations for that market. Let's talk about why they might have stopped taking reservations for the Cybertruck. They have over a million of them. Yeah, I mean, they have... 
well over a million. Yeah, at a certain point, taking reservations is actually counterproductive because then people just get mad. It's it's kind of like the restaurant where it's like, oh, you have to make reservations three months in advance. Right. This is like, oh, you have to make reservations three years in advance. It's like, right. do I really need to do that? To, you know, for dinner or right. to order a, a truck? Yeah, everyone who wants a cyber truck has basically already put their reservations in. Right. It doesn't really make sense, especially in these markets that are going to be getting the trucks later. Let's face it. I'm sorry, Australia. I know you love your Utes. I think that the cyber truck is exactly the kind of Mad Max stuff that you guys like. Right. I totally hear you. But they're going to have to put the steering wheel on the other side of the car. They're going to have to change a bunch of different lights. Look, look I mean, I, there's a bunch of things in Europe that I would love to have right now that come out in Europe first. That's and, true. Or they come out in China first. And I mean, I could get all butt hurt and be like, oh, no, we're never going to get that or it's going to take years. I mean, that's just the way the world works. So everybody, let's just grow up a little bit. OK. Right. And hey, if you want a support group where you can talk about this, head on over to the Cybertruck Owners Club. They support the show. And there you're going to find discussions and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. And they also have a crowdsourced reservation tracker so you can find out where you are in line. Spring is here and maybe you're just waking up to the fact that there are so many electric mobility options to get around your neighborhood. Do you really need a car, at least for every trip? I mean, maybe an electric scooter would do the trick for that trip to your friend's house or even to work. Well, that's why we made the Now Let's Review channel, because there are so many e-bike and e-scooter options, it can be really hard to keep up and know which ones are best. This week, Ethan reviewed two cool options, the Okai Neon Scooter, which he seemed to really like. Yeah, I like the LED light strip on the main tube and the Okai Beetle scooter, which you sit on. Now, I think that this one looks like it could be an interesting option for people who want a scooter, but they don't want to stand. Yeah, I don't know if it was Ethan's cup of tea, although we did learn if you can take the Beetle off-road. Oh, f But it is a cool option, especially since it folds up like a regular scooter. Yeah, so go check out our Now Let's Review channel where we've got dozens of cool reviews on all types and styles of e-mobility products. Oh, and I almost forgot, Ethan and I also published a video on Now Let's Review called Should You Buy a Fat Tire E-Bike? Yeah, just a few years ago, fat tires on bikes was a rare thing to see. Yeah, fat tires takes a lot more energy to move around. So for most people, even though they're great for going off-road and on softer ground, they just weren't worth the extra pedaling effort. But now with the e-bike revolution, the fact that there's a motor there to help the rider, fat tires are popping up everywhere. We review a lot of fat tire e-bikes on Now Let's Review, but Ethan and I thought it'd be good to talk about the pros and cons of fat tire e-bikes and share some ideas if you're thinking about getting one. And speaking of fat tire e-bikes, we reported last week on the Ukrainian-made e-leak off-road e-bike that the Ukrainian military has been using in battle. And there's another one that we've been trying to get our hands on, the Ukrainian-made Delfast e-bike. It looks like a beast. I mean, not only does it have a range of over 200 miles, but it also has a top speed of 50 miles an hour. The Delfast has been modified to carry an NLAW or next generation light anti-tank weapon so that a single operator can silently speed to a location, fire the 28 pound weapon at a tank or armored vehicle, and then quickly get away without detection. Yeah, electric bikes are quickly becoming used as a tool by militaries around the world. Norway, New Zealand, and now special forces units in Europe, the Middle East, and the U.S. are all testing them for use on the battlefield. And I think this is one of those military applications that has a lot more civilian application. Um, but I do think that, you know, e-bikes like this are going to be very popular in the future. And I also think if you don't experience one, then you don't really know what we're talking about. Yeah. So I urge you, uh, if you can find a friend or a store that lets you test them out, mm -hmm. get your butts in seats because then you're going to see why e-bikes make a difference. We talk about all the time. You're going to really agree with me. So we got a report from the Victorville Daily Press that Barstow, California Mayor Paul Courtney revealed that Tesla is already months into construction of what looks to be the world's largest supercharger location. 
There are already two supercharger locations in Barstow. One is a 16 stall and another is an 18 stall. But this is a major route through the desert between L.A. and Las Vegas. Now, don't I remember that we reported on a 100-stall supercharger location in Harris Ranch, California? Yes, Tesla has started the $1.3 million 80-stall expansion at Harris Ranch from 18 stalls. Uh, that work started last month. But when it's done, it should have 98 stalls. So technically not as many as Barstow if all accounts are correct. Obviously, things can change during construction. So for those of you in the area when both locations are completed, please film a supercharger review for our Now You Know website, and maybe we'll get it on TTM. And one of them I need you to review as soon as it's done is the planned supercharger for West Hollywood at 7001 Santa Monica Boulevard. It's going to be a 29 stall supercharger. Who big deal. Um, it's going to ha also have five level two chargers. It's also going to have a diner and a drive-in movie theater. And we just got a few glimpses of the plans for this half acre place. It's going to have a second floor on the restaurant, bathrooms, snack bar, and two movie screens showing 30 minute films while you charge. This sounds really fun. I'm excited to see what the menu is like. I want some Andre car pastry. I would like a Franz von Frankfurter, especially if it's vegan. <laughs> the three musketeers. Maybe some model eggs. Uh, the falcon wing s'mores. And maybe the next generation toaster strudel. Or plaid a la mode. Now, uh, Tesla is asking the city for 24 hour permits for both the charging and the restaurant. So, I mean, this could be a new revenue model I was thinking about. If Tesla opens these kind of fun places to charge and do things like watch movies or, you know, eat food, then if they partnered with like a chain restaurant, they could actually make a lot of money. Yeah. Or they could start their own. Well, you never know. That's true. We'll figure it out. And speaking of California and why Tesla is building so many superchargers there, take a look at this chart. It shows percentage change in brand registration so far this year versus last year. Now, by the way, I would ignore the Genesis there at the top of the list since they only sold a few cars and any change looks like a big percentage. That's right. Teslas were already big sellers in California, but so far this year, even with price hikes and no federal tax credit, they are up 83.7% over last year during the same period. Yeah, Tesla helps make battery EVs take a 15% market share in California. Let me just stop and repeat myself. In California, battery electric vehicles, not hybrids, not plug-in hybrids, battery electric vehicles have 15% market share. When we started this show, that if if we had said that to you, you everyone would have been like, that's never going to happen. Right. If We're we already said in 2022. Yeah. No one would have believed us. The Model 3 has a 65 percent market share in near luxury and Model Y has a 55 percent in luxury SUVs. Yeah. The numbers don't lie. These these are the numbers. And if you remember, Tesla started opening some of its superchargers in Europe to non Tesla EVs as part of a pilot program back in November. Now Tesla has announced it's expanding the program to some superchargers in the UK, Spain, Sweden, Belgium, and Austria. Here's an updated list of countries in Europe with superchargers open to non-Teslas. So if you live in Europe and you've experienced these supercharger locations, either as a Tesla driver or as a non-Tesla EV driver, please comment below what you think. Are the stations getting too crowded? Is the program working? Because... Honestly, I want the boots on the ground telling us what is working and what is not working. Right. And hey, if you'd like to share a story you've seen on Now You Know, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel where we cut them up into little bite-sized pieces that are easy to share. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. 
And thank you to Henson for sponsoring this show. I really appreciate it. And I really like their products. I have to say, I look forward to shaving and that is not something that I have ever done before. Nope. You can pick up a Henson shaver today and if you use the code now, you know, you'll get a hundred free blades um, and that should last you a good long while so you don't have to worry about blades for probably the next year or two. So Steve Birch is doing something that you normally can't do when you live where he lives. Is he installing a swimming pool in the Sahara? Nope. Steve lives in the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho, a place where you normally can't get much internet. Oh, I know. So he got Starlink and a generator and he's able to get on the internet. Close. He has Starlink and a 300 watt solar panel setup with a 450 amp hour battery. And he says it's, quote, been running like a champ 24 seven for the last week. Steve went a bit over budget and has spent about $2,000 on panels, inverters, and lead-acid batteries. But even in cold, snowy conditions and pouring rain, Steve has been able to achieve speeds of 113 megabits per second. So why does he need the internet way up in the woods? Well, Steve says that he wants to stay connected with family when he's in his remote Idaho home. He says, it's about a two and a half hour drive. There's no cell phone coverage. And the one phone line was damaged by an earthquake and doesn't work very well. So there's no connectivity. That's a beautiful thing. But there are also things from a safety perspective that are challenging. I couldn't connect with my mother and she wants to know that we're safe. Moms never change, right? Steve says that this is a proof of concept and could be used to help hikers. Last summer, Birch said that a 20-year-old hiker came in off the trail who hadn't spoken to his family in days. Yeah, he said there's no cell phone coverage. The closest coverage is 50 miles away. And so as a dad, I thought about his parents and I asked, have you called your mom? Have you talked to your dad and told him you're safe? He's like, yeah, it's been a while, you know? And I thought it'd be kind of a beautiful thing to have it. So if they did, so if someone else was in that position, they could use it to reach out to family and loved ones. Steve says having the internet up in the woods enables an incredible work-life balance. He says, I can enjoy the hot springs in the morning, get a little bit of work in, and then, you know, five o'clock, four o'clock, whatever your time is, you just bug out, hit the mountains, do whatever you want, sit by the campfire. Yeah, so I thought you might be a little jealous there. I am pretty <laughs> jealous. That's a great setup. That's a cool thing. Yeah, and I think that, uh, what, like he was saying, it's really cool because now you can have internet in the middle of the woods. This could save people's lives. It to have could. little stations where people can like get on Wi-Fi. Like, you're walking through the woods, you get lost. Oh, wow, I got Wi-Fi coverage. <laughs> No, it's true, especially with, you know, Wi-Fi repeaters and stuff like that. But getting the Wi-Fi hotspot, right. so to speak, the actual router there is usually going to be the hard part. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't want to put cell towers in the middle of the woods. This can be a very small option that could make a big difference for a lot of people. Um, but I do think that if this were commercialized, I think a lot of people would be like, that is right up my alley. All right, it's time for Going Green, sponsored by EcoWare. And remember, Father's Day is coming up. And if you use the code I love Dad, you'll get 10% off your order. We carbon offset the whole purchase, by the way. Production, shipping, life cycle. And we plant multiple trees for every order, so it's carbon negative. And we help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation. So both the extra trees and the abandoned wells makes your purchase carbon negative. So you can start positive conversations today with carbon negative products at EcoWare. Electric school buses, get your free electric school buses here. Yeah, I'll take some electric school buses. How much are they? What are you, deaf? I said free electric school buses. What do you mean they're free? What do you think I mean? Wait, what are we talking about? All right, so do you remember the $5 billion clean school bus program, which was part of the bipartisan infrastructure law passed last year? 
Well, the first round of the program started last week as a lottery which prioritizes applications from low-income, rural, tribal, and or high-need school districts. Schools can apply now to receive the rebate, which will be sent to the electric bus manufacturer before the district has to pay any money. So how many buses can a district get? They can apply in this round for up to 25 buses. So we're putting the link to the EPA application website below. You have until August 19th, so don't wait. So wait, the EPA is giving away $5 billion worth of school buses? Well, in this first round for 2022, the EPA expects to be spending about $500 million. There's even money for charging infrastructure. So how much per bus? Well, here's the chart. You can get up to $375,000 per bus and up to $20,000 per charger per bus. The program is expected to go for the next five years, so through 2026. Um, And so make sure that you go to this website if you're a school district and apply. Now, $5 billion will unfortunately only upgrade about 5% of the nation's school buses, but that's going to be really big in terms of manufacturers scaling up production, and it's going to kind of whet the appetite of of school districts and, and people where they're going like, my little Timmy wants to go ride on an electric school bus because I don't want him breathing in diesel fumes all the way to school and all the way home where his brain is supposed to be learning, not atrophying exactly. from diesel exhaust. Exactly. I mean, look at our episode we did on the magic school bus that talks about why this is so important. Diesel school buses are the worst. All right, it's time for sunspots. Roland sent us this story. Nearly three dozen government buildings in Santa Fe, New Mexico are going green. Train Technologies, the global climate solution company, is installing $32 million worth of solar panels, including 16 rooftop systems on these 32 buildings, along with three solar carports. Train guarantees that Santa Fe will save at least $1.1 million per year. They actually expect to save $1.4 million a year. But if Santa Fe doesn't save at least $1.1 million, Train will pay the difference. That's how sure they are. These projects will cut Santa Fe's emissions by 7,400 metric tons of CO2, which is the equivalent of not burning 8 million pounds of coal annually. This will also conserve 5.1 million gallons of water per year. So why is this happening? New Mexico Governor Michelle Luan Grisham made an executive order in 2019 that called for all state agencies to reduce their carbon footprint. The state legislature passed $20 million in funding, and the other $12 million came from bonds that will be paid from the annual energy savings. So you see, your vote matters. You vote the right people in. And things start to happen. And on top of this, if you do the math, it's going to pay itself off. Exactly. And you're going to be saving $1.1 million a year, all by doing something that was trying to reduce your carbon footprint. So it shows that you can do both things at the same time. Yep. Hey, and if you'd like to become your own smaller energy provider, talk to the team at Energy Pal. They're the solar and battery experts that can help homeowners like you go solar for less. Take control of your energy, guarantee your price of power and storage costs for 20 years, do it all online, on your schedule, on your couch, on your laptop, and let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. We got two this week, and remember, we need your stories. So send them into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Make sure they're two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape with some good audio and no music. All right, so what do we got, Jess? Lauren attended the ACT Expo in Long Beach, California a couple weeks ago. Hey, Zach, hey, Jesse. I'm here at the Advanced Clean Transportation Expo, otherwise known as ACT Expo. Wow, there is just tremendous acceleration going on in the medium duty and the heavy duty electric space. All these big rigs, box trucks, refrigerated trucks, transit vans, garbage trucks, you name it, it's here, including the work truck category. And I know you follow some of the vehicles in that space, but it, the show is growing like crazy. I think last year they had 5,000 attendees in the fall, and now there's uh, up over 8,000 attendees here, all looking at these medium and heavy duty 
electric vehicles as they make that transition to zero emissions. Of course, it's not just EVs here, you know, hydrogen and renewable natural gas. The big news here is just the acceleration of this market. You know, last year was a smaller show, more pre-production vehicles. This time around, a lot more of these products are shipping. They're in serial production. We got, like I said, the Class 8 big rigs. They're being delivered this year. Many other kinds of vehicles and lots of EV charging. You know, if we want to take climate seriously, the heavy-duty sector emits the most black carbon, so the opportunity to reduce emissions is, is massive. And this is where all the fleets are coming to make the decisions, try and understand the products. Four days of educational sessions. It's exciting to see all this zero-emission technology that's going to be on the road soon, delivering our goods to our streets, our neighborhoods, and across the country. Transportation refrigeration is another area where you, we need more electrification. You know, a lot of these things idle with diesel engines. These are electric. That's going to cut emissions a lot. Here's another electric school bus. Here's another electric bus. More electric school buses. You guys have covered Workhorse. Here's a new Volvo Autonomous Class 8 big rig. All kinds of medium-duty and heavy-duty electric drivetrain products that you can integrate if you're an OEM. It's pretty exciting, and I have a lot of optimism here at Act Expo. Now you know. Thanks, Lauren. As Lauren said, the ACT Expo is growing so fast that it'll be moving to Anaheim, California next year, May 1st through the 4th. Maybe we should go to that because that looks like a lot of fun. That actually looks really cool. And next up, we got our buddy Bill in Wisconsin who's going to tell us about the Lomi composter. This is the Lomi home composter from Pila.Earth. We've had it for about two weeks and I've put it through its paces. I've composted a number of different types of food waste these filters, the, the filter in back plus the filter inside, seems to really do a good job of keeping the odors under control. As far as operating the unit, there's a single button right in front. It has this bucket inside that's easily removable, and this is where you put the food that you want to compost. As far as running the composter, it has three different modes controlled from this single button on the front. Um, depending on which mode you choose, it determines how long it takes for the composter to complete a cycle. I found that with this, I can throw whole banana peels, uh, coffee grounds in, and the paper filters, everything straight right in, and it will actually, when it stirs, it actually has a blade in the bottom that will cut that stuff up as well. So I'm just gonna dump this in here. I've got some banana peels, I've got some coffee grounds. Uh, my wife peeled and cut up a pineapple yesterday. Um, that, I found that the rind of a pineapple is tough enough that I cut that up into smaller pieces because uh, I thought that would be too hard for the unit to be able to manage on its own. If you don't have the lid on tight, it indicates that by having the LEDs red. But then once you spin it and get it closed and locked, then it turns green. And now it's on the mode that I want. And now that I have that mode selected, all I have to do is press the button and the unit starts its job. So this is an example of a batch that completed yesterday. And so as you can see, we now have this is the finished product. So Zach and Jesse, if you're organic gardeners like we are, and you'd like to take the food waste from your kitchen and redeploy it into your garden so that you have a lush, vibrant crop to harvest later this summer, then you should take a long, hard look at the Lomi Home Composter. Now you know. 
Thank you, Bill. And if you would like some of Bill's honey, we sell that on EcoWare. So if you'd like some of that awesome honey that I start every morning with in my tea, uh, head on over to EcoWare and you can get a bottle. All right, it's time for the Patreon bonus stories. And uh, if you'd like to head on over to patreon.com slash now you know, support us for as little as a buck a month. You're going to get to watch all of these stories coming up, including Model Y catching on fire. How you can change out your yoke steering wheel. Some Fords on fire. And some Kias and Hondas that are on fire. It's a lot of fire this week. A lot of week. fire this week. Oh, and also that new Elon Musk documentary. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, too. So if you want to check those out, you can head over to patreon.com slash now you know. Sign up for as little as a buck a month, and you get to see all of those stories. And we have multiple of them every week. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. We even did an Investor Club bonus story there, too. Um, go check that out. But I want to give big shout outs to our Patreons. Who do we got this week, Jess? We got Super Bob. E-Rockets Biz. Olav Siski. Wu-Tang is for the children. Christopher Grove. Sean M. Gordon. Lego Z-E-V. Henry Harmer. Clay. Bill Kervosky. Bruce Collins. David. Carl Robinson III. Art Himmelfarb. Stephen Lowe. Marty Steele. Roderick Bishop. And Steve Easy. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, it's time for our Patreon poll. And we asked, would you choose a Giga Texas Model Y? Most people said that they would wait Ooh. for a long I mean, range Model Y. It's, I mean, it's a big margin, but it's not a big margin. I mean, plenty of people did say they would like it now. So this is interesting data for Tesla. Yeah. I wonder if this is how it's going to play out in the data they see. I wonder if it's going to change if we find out if those batteries are LFP and you can charge it up to 100 mm. and get that full 279 miles. Or if it comes with horns on the roof. <laughs> That'd be great. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember, you can send in your stories and pictures to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. We got Greg. He sent us this neutral ground bonding plug. Why did do you do that? <laughs> he said, Zach and Jesse, I'm sending you a plug that should allow you to charge from the Rivian. The problem is that it has a floating ground. Put this plug into the adjacent outlet before plugging into the charger. Um, and so we are going to be testing this out, uh, I think, on a video that may be coming out this or next week. Yeah. Um, because it would be really cool if we could charge from the Rivian. Um, and maybe we can charge the Rivian from the Rivian. No. An endless I, loop I, of that power. That is not how it works. That's it's a joke. Robin spotted this 100% electric Ikea truck in Montreal. They said, so silent, my brain could not process. Awesome. Thomas from Germany writes, you asked recently how to find some data about supercharger use and some numbers. I'm using Tesla Logger to scan my Tesla and have all the personal data on a small Raspberry Pi database at home. Now, I've asked the global shared Tesla Logger info, and I can show you these numbers. Of course, that is only data from users of Tesla Logger, I guess mainly in Germany. Is it common in the U.S.? But perhaps you can see a trend and it helps a bit. Uh, the numbers I did see here are that uh, 1.4 gigawatt hours from superchargers. Yeah, I don't know if this is like the data, but it does have some really interesting stuff here. We'll put these charts up here and uh, let me know in the comments like what you gained from this. Thank you so much, Thomas. That's really insightful. Alan up in Montpelier, Vermont, spotted an R1T. Oh, and it has uh, plates on it so that people who've gotten them delivered finally have gotten the temp tags taken off and they've finally gotten them registered. That was a pain. Archie sent us this picture of a Lucid store in La Jolla, California. Tom wrote to share this just for fun hobby grade Arduino nano powered two axis solar tracker. It's still under development and has been for a few years. Two 10 watt solar panels charging two SLA 12 volt batteries in parallel, which in turn are running a 400 watt inverter that charges the laptop while I monitor performance. At night, the system runs an amazingly bright 12 volt LED yard light. Eventually, it'll run a bunch of smaller LED path lights. Cool. That's a fun project. 
Maxwell sent us this short video of what looks like an R1S driving by him. He said, while driving in Chino Hills, California, we spotted the distinctive headlights of a Rivian in the rearview mirror. But to our surprise, as it passed, it was an R1S. The R1S looks to have an interesting orange paint job or wrap, which made it stand out even more. First R1S seen in the wild. Sorry for the fast video. It was all we could capture before jumping on the freeway. And yeah, I mean, we could be getting ours uh, in the fall. Jonathan spotted this Oshkosh S-Series SDX300 electric cement truck in Las Vegas on I-15 South. And Mike sent us these videos of an EV garbage truck in Switzerland. Mark spotted a cool-looking lime green wrap on a Tesla Model X in Dunfermline, Scotland. And Gary from Northern California writes in to help us with the Twitter sample size that we asked about last week. Yeah, he said it's rare that the native neural nets of real humans largely dig statistics. Therefore, getting down to brass tacks, if the population size of Twitter's IDs is known to be about 200 million and we want a statistical confidence level of 95 percent with a 5 percent margin of error, all fairly standard technical jargon for the quality of the answer which we wish to be derived, then the standard sample size of Twitter IDs to select at random is 385. Now all that's needed is a trustworthy white hat hacker. So we got our answer. 100 is not enough. You, you need 385. I would have thought you'd need more. I would have too. Take. Uh, hey, I'll let the Gary knows what he's talking. I'll about. let the statisticians stick with the statistics. All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. Let's see what people have found out there in the world. Hi, Zach and Jesse, Jay and Kaz Oswald, and the brand spanking new Monument Colorado eight-stall level three supercharger. They just opened it two days ago. It's uh, in Monument, Colorado, just east of the highway. So when you come off the highway, just kind of head to the right, and you'll come through a couple stoplights, and you'll see it off to the right. Uh, around us, we have a liquor store. We have, of course, the come-and-go gas station that has all the stuff that you need in it. Back there is a Back East Grill, and just a little bit over there is a uh, Japanese restaurant. Very good food over there. Um, anyway, brand spanking new. A couple people already using it, and uh, now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse. It's Ben and Melissa from Pacific Northwest E-Ventures here with a supercharger review for you. We're here at the Spokane, Washington supercharger station, which is an eight-stall level three supercharger, and there are a ton of amenities. Yeah, there's all sorts of lots of food things. So we got the iron skillet and Subway, and then there's a Starbucks, and then over on the other side, there's like a Domino's and a McDonald's, and there's even a nail salon if you want to get your nails done. <laughs> And if you're like us and you don't have your Tesla yet, well, there's a DC fast charger and a level two charging station nearby. Yep, and it's right across the street from the other one, so it's really convenient. So overall, I would give this station an eight out of 10 thanks to the amenities and uh, how close it is to the highway, but there are a couple of little roundabouts that you have to maneuver through to get here. Yep, I agree. <laughs> All right, now you know. Hi, Jack and Jesse. This is Mark in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, we have brand new, eight new stalls. So I have superchargers here and three full chargers right here. And the amenities are the uh, home restaurant, Sutter's Pub over there. If you wanted to have a beer, there's Askew's grocery store. There's Dairy Queen down the street and that's all the amenities. 
and I would rate this supercharger 9 out of 10 because it's uh, just off the Trans-Canada Highway and it's halfway between going to Vancouver from Calgary. Now you know. Okay. Hi, Zach and Jesse. Mike from the rural Montana family. I'm here at the five-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Dallas, Oregon. You can see here it's got five stalls. They're labeled 1A, 2A, 3A, and then 1B and 2B. The supercharger is easy to get to. The interstate is just right over there. There is a pet area right behind here, so you could walk your dog if you have a dog with you. Also behind us there is that Chevron gas station that has a convenience store. And next to the Chevron gas station, over that way there we have a restaurant and saloon. The charger itself is in the parking lot of this hotel here. It is kind of crowded here at times. This morning it's not too bad, but we were here last night and the parking lot was full. The supercharger was super busy and we got a message to only charge to 80%, which barely gets us to the next supercharger. As we are driving this 2013 Model S with 192,000 miles on it. And we need basically 100% to safely make it to the next supercharger. Because of this being kind of noisy around here and really not too much to do, I think I would rate this only a 6 out of 10. Now you know. I can't believe that one day we were driving along and we were, you know, going to superchargers and we we're like, hey, we should really review these. We 1 should, to 10. Let's we rate should, them. Well, let's rate them. And then we told people, hey, you should do this and you should uh, go to our website, nowyouknowchannel.com, and you can upload them there. And it, we don't, it's not the best website in the world or anything no. like that, but so many amazing people have submitted these reviews. I'm so grateful to all of you because now we have a pretty useful little website with a map and everything, and you can click on a supercharger and see all the reviews. I love it. Thank you so much. Let's take a look at the new superchargers out there in the world. What do we got? We got the 20 stall in Long Beach, California. We got the 16 stall in Florence at North Williston Road in South Carolina. The 8 stall in North Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The 8 stall in Kiryat Shimona, Israel. The 20 stall in Santa Maria, California. The 12 stall in Melville at Walt Whitman Road in New York. The 8 stall in Grinnell, Iowa. The 8 stall in Girard, Ohio. The 12 stall in Fort Mill, South Carolina. The 8 stall in Mechanicsville, Virginia. The 8 stall in Lamar, Colorado. And the 8 stall in El Centro at Wake Ave, California. And you've made it to the end of the show. Congratulations. Thank you so much on watching. I really appreciate you watching all the way to the end because that's how I know that you like the video. Did you know that we have other channels, by the way? That's um, true. We've got what's called the Disruptive Investing Channel, where we interview uh, some of the most amazing companies in the world and tell you about how they're disrupting their industries. Mm -hmm. We also have Now Let's Review, which we've talked about before. If you're uh, if you're even thinking about e-bikes, 
This is a great place. It's a great resource. We've been testing out every e-bike we can get our hands on. Scooters. Scooters and uh, other wacky stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, composters we're going to be testing. Yep. And I mean, even things like um, phone cases, this one's compostable. And we're testing it as we speak to see if it's worthy. And of course, we also have the Now You Know Clips channel where you can find little bits of this show um, in little clips so you can share them with your friends without sharing the whole one-hour episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about the Disruptive Investing channel. I know that a lot of people haven't heard about it, haven't checked it out yet. Um, I think that you know we've been adding content steadily. I think it's now at the critical mass where it's kind of worth your watch. Yeah. Um, heading over there, hitting the subscribe button and just checking out what we've got. Uh, we have so many awesome interviews lined up. We have a producer now who's helping us uh, line up these interviews we're trying to get them as high quality as possible and i mean we're normally talking to like the high level c executives like the ceos or founders of companies so you get to hear directly from the people leading these companies forward to see if they're kind of worthy of your either investment or whether they're really doing something in tech that's substantial and if you want to get our completely unbiased no pulling punches opinion on these companies that we interview you can head over to patreon.com slash now you know sign up at the ten dollar level that's the investor club and so almost every time we do a disruptive investing uh interview we uh we tell you our thoughts over on the investor club we also have a slack channel over there so everyone can kind of talk together yeah. as an investor group it's so nice that there's no one on there who's like what's tesla i don't know what electric cars are all about it's so nice to have a group of people it's who fully understands that um and so nice when the market is not doing well to have a place to go yeah. to talk to other people who know your pain that is another great point. And uh, yeah, it's been very helpful for us as investors. And I think it's been very helpful for, for some of the people who have been on there. Yeah, even if it's just like, should I sell my Tesla stock? And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just having that support is really nice. But yeah, I, I highly encourage you to check out the Disruptive Investing channel. That one's free. You can check that out completely. And if you, again, if you want to support the show, Patreon is the place to go. We'll see you guys next week. Now you now know. know. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time, from an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.